0: Welcome to today's episode of the Metrics at Measure Up podcast. We are joined by Guy Yalif, the founder and CEO of Telemise and a former colleague of mine many, many years ago. So today we'll be covering three main topic areas with Guy. First, the evolution of website personalization. Second, the metrics behind conversion optimization. And third, going beyond website conversion to customer and revenue optimization. Guy, please take a moment to give a brief overview of your background to becoming a guest on the Metrics That Measure Up podcast.
1: It all began 20 years ago when I worked with this amazing guy named Ray Reich. It's great to reconnect, Ray. Very, very happy to be spending time together. Brief background, I uh, used to design airplanes for a living, and now I'm a kid in a candy store every time I fly. I then spent 10 years as a product guy, 10 years as a marketer, and then was privileged to found and Telemise with two friends I've known for 19 years and as a business we intelligently optimize websites we personalize them for each unique visitor in the moment to create high converting websites that drive revenue
0: okay well first of all I didn't know that you designed airplanes so I guess that that is why IntelMise is flying so high right now but now that I'm <laughs> done with my dad joke yeah we did meet back in 2002 in a by the way we didn't call it SaaS back then, but it was a multi-tenant hosted application sold via an annual subscription at QRS, Quick Response Services. But before that, I had been part of the first generation of marketing automation software, even before Marketo. And one of the first inventors of Marketo was Don Peppers. And Don Peppers and his partner coined a phrase and wrote a book, this is 1994 guy, called One-to-One Marketing and many first-generation marketing automation platforms try to achieve that one-to-one relationship in a digital manner. So 20-plus years later, why are we still talking about trying to achieve web personalization on a one-to-one basis?
1: Don is a legend, and boy, have we been talking about, oh, this is the year of one-to-one marketing forever. In my humble opinion, the biggest reason is that it's hard to do in practice. The biggest reason is that most of us spend most of our time thinking about segments and creating rules for them. If they're in this segment, show them that thing like, oh, on a website, as an example, if they're a high value prospect, funnel them to sales. If they're a low value prospect, keep them away from sales, have them go to self-serve sign up. And, you know, in the 20 plus years since Don said that, I think the inputs to those rules have taken some time, but have gotten a lot more sophisticated. You know, in B2B, we have predictive lead scoring. We have de-anonymization of businesses and a bunch more. In B2C, you know, there's a whole bunch of privacy-inducing questions that enable us to know whom we're talking to more. So that's one. Two, us mere mortal marketers, we tend to top out at a few tens of rules. Like if we did a rule per city in the U.S., we'd have more than 100,000 rules to create and maintain over time, which no, no one can do. Machine learning can help here, but it's not what most people are used to. You know, when, when marketing automation was teeing up personalized emails, I think that got to one-to-one sooner because you would take an individual's action and show them an experience with their name in it. But still, it was segments with triggers. In ads, Actually, we'll talk about ads later on, but ads got there sooner. I feel like the science problem to do one-to-one marketing on websites uh, instead of doing segment marketing is really hard because you don't have Google levels of traffic. And the very last thing, people change. It's one thing to decide what to show each user. It's exponentially harder to decide what to show each user now versus a few minutes from now. And the science to do that, I mean... We don't know of any that existed five years ago it's a it's, it's a challenge of problem to solve
0: interesting so b2b marketers talk about your ideal customer profile yeah that's usually cohorting uh, account kind of firmographic technographics etc into a segment then we talk about buyer persona so now we have a different messaging and content for the cfo versus the cmo yeah but you're taking it down to the next layer and it's based upon me as a unique individual and my historic activity engagement behavior on your web properties and off your own web properties guy or just on your own web assets and digital assets
1: great mental framework and the direct answer for our product happens to be on your website only leaving the privacy questions behind but many of us marketers buy off website data, uh, like intent data from Bambora, if we're sticking in B2B, you know, or from Six Sense where they'll do the custom segments on intent or others, no preference for one, you know, one partner or another, but like you can use those to then do a better job of personalizing down to the individual. And what we find is, yeah, it makes miles of sense to screen for your ICP and then to tune your message by buyer persona or by industry vertical or by, you know, enterprise mid-market SMB. And within each of those, there are multiple ways to say the same thing. You and I might have the same role in the same size company, but react differently. Right. You might like more aspirational language. I might like more practical brass tacks language. And to be able to tune that down to the individual, there's a lot of money sitting in that.
0: I agree. There's a lot of money sitting in there. So you mentioned nobody had done it until five years ago. So. Was that five years ago, was it just because you thought differently and saw how you could combine and integrate a lot of technology types and practices, or was there some compelling event or technology innovation that allowed you to do that five years ago, and how has that progressed until today?
1: Humbly submitted, it is proprietary tech based on my two co-founders, were the two most senior engineers that led a several hundred person engineering team that used machine learning to personalize and optimize the Yahoo homepage when it was the most popular page on the internet for more than half a decade. And so they were able to gain a bunch of practical experience such that if you hired freshly minted CS PhDs, they wouldn't build this because the books haven't been written. Like they're, they're very, very smart, very thoughtful people would go almost certainly take one of the many other paths to go try to solve this problem. And so there is a continual journey of, you know, a self-accelerating lead in the machine learning, because the better it gets, the more people use it, the more impressions it gets, the more it gets to learn. And so you get this thing that gets smarter over time. And you asked about the progress. Solving the problem of what to show each person right now is a really different problem for a low traffic two steps to fill out a form B2B site than it is for a high traffic, convoluted journey of, you know, 15 steps e-commerce site, right? There's sort of different problem spaces to go solve. And we've invested a lot in being able to meet the need in each.
0: It's interesting. We always talk or not always, but recently as B2B marketers, what lessons can we draw from the B2C and e-commerce sites? So are there some B2C brands that do a really good job of personalizing that party of one experience?
1: Uh, The really easy ones to point to are Amazon and Netflix, and they have huge teams of data scientists doing maybe similar things to what we're doing, maybe different, but most companies don't have that. And so to be able to deploy that easily, to go meet each one of your prospects where they are, to go recognize, You know, they are early funnel, mid funnel, late funnel. They are, to your point, a different persona, a different industry uh, in tune for each one that uh, we have seen be really, really impactful. Another thing that consumer companies are good at doing that I think can be very instructive for B2B companies is, you know, they'll run promos. And if they use traditional optimization techniques like A-B testing, typically the promo is over by the time you get an answer. And so you need a way to go very quickly adjust to changes in visitor behavior. In B2B, we tend to run fewer promos, depending on the kind of business, right? If it's a PLG business, maybe you will be running a promo. If it's a sales-led business, maybe you won't, but you might have an event, right? You might have an event you're trying to drive people towards. You might have a new release. You might have some ad campaign, some change in targeting that causes the people that show up at your site to behave differently. And just like a B2C company needs to adjust in the change in behavior that a promo, a promotion might, might trigger, B2B companies I think need to do the same as they are changing messaging, targeting, running an event, or maybe even running a promo. Does that resonate?
0: It does, but I'm gonna dig down or double click on a couple of things here. So you talked about A-B testing. I still remember 15 years ago, we were talking about multivariate testing. So you had, you know, five components of a web page, and you tried a different image on the top right, right? Or you moved it to the bottom left. So what you're talking about though, goes beyond just real quick testing. This is actually on the fly, dynamically rendering a digital asset based upon everything I know about you. Not a test, it's truly in production
1: you're exactly right and the one of the there's several mental shifts one of them is you know when we marketers run ab tests we're basically getting information so we can make a better decision right we're flipping a coin showing a and b to people 50/50 seeing if one performs statistically significantly better that's all information for us we choose then the human chooses what to show people to your point ray this is a machine saying Given everything I know about Ray showing up to this site, I may not know it's Ray, but all these attributes of this person showing up and all the ideas the marketer had to move somebody further through their funnel. What's the best combination of those ideas to show? And the machine is choosing based on what other people have reacted well to. And so it's really your visitors choosing for future visitors what will be shown in a machine listening to that.
0: And as this go, we all talk about top of funnel, mid funnel, but it's really where you're at in the customer journey, right? Or buyer journey. So are you talking about no matter where you are in the process, you can take historical information of someone who's converted to a customer, right? And not just one person, but multiple customers, and optimize that third stage in the buying process?
1: So yes, and to your point, you also could look at other people who made it from stage three to stage four and think, what does it take to get there? And we don't know of any other system that can optimize for multiple goals at once, but we purposely built one that can so that you can simultaneously weigh what got somebody to go from stage three to stage four, where you got more data because there are more people that did that, and what ultimately got somebody to close one. And you have less data there, so you have less signal. And the signal takes a while to make it back because there's presumably some time there. And to be able to weigh both of those in trying to move high-quality prospects through the funnel, uh, yes, that's that's what it's doing. There's, you can think about it like, do you remember smart display ads where when they came out and they were like, hey, like travel was a great example for that. They were like mix and match headline and image of someplace you could go and offer. And the ad system would mix and match those in what felt like a multivariate way, but it wasn't true multivariate because it wasn't equally distributing traffic, and it would show the good ones more, the bad ones less, and figure out the right combo. Now imagine that same mental model applied to a website.
0: Interesting. So one of the things you talked about that was going all the way to, I think you'd call it continuous conversion or constant conversion. Continuous so,
1: conversion. You, you nailed it. Yeah.
0: So, In B2B, because most of our listening audience are B2B, they want to know, okay, what were all the signals that said, oh, this became a closed customer, not even closed customer, at the right size of contract value, maybe even a SaaS industry, its retention and growth. So are you able to actually ingest all that kind of information from the CRM and use that to help inform dynamically what you're presenting to someone at the top of the funnel?
1: We can, we intentionally built a system that can ingest any data it can see. You know, you could, for example, turnkey, decide, hey, I'm going to move this Marketo data in and use that, oh, this is my high value prospect list. This is my, you know, uh, named account list, or here's the industry these companies are in. And then we will see, are there correlations there? Is there incremental predictive value there, right? We will look at all of that data along with everything else we can see, like, you know, Time of day, day of week, which has implications for mindset, you know, device type, location. If they came from an ad or an email, you know how many of us will put sort of tracking parameters, UTM parameters so we can understand our own analytics, we'll automatically parse all those and you know, gain insight into all the targeting that went into it. You know, had they been on the site before, the kinds of things that they've done, and see which one of those correlate with moving from step three to step four, moving from step three to closed one to continue the previous metaphor and use that to figure out what's the right thing to show someone.
0: So now we've got this beautiful experience for the user based upon where I'm at in the process. You optimize my experience, of course, looking at optimizing conversion rates to a paying customer. But we recently conducted some research with Lean Data and Clearbit and we found that less than 20% of B2B tech companies were actually measuring the cost per dollar of either pipeline or revenue. And we know what the macroeconomic reality is in 2023. Can you should go all the way to looking at how do I optimize for cost per conversion?
1: If that data is visible, yes, you can feed in hey you can it automatically does it already by channel so you can know was this paid search paid social organic search organic social email direct nav recirculation and so on if you can then feed in hey this is how much that ad costs that can be used and and to the excellent research you did with clearbit and lean data you know on the one hand you're like wait a minute how could 80 percent of marketers not be doing this and on the other hand as a b2b marketer my experience is that like this is harder to put together than it sounds which shouldn't be an excuse but it's often the 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 reality i mean measuring cac and cac payback are so important for SaaS businesses in particular so that you don't accidentally grow too fast and and you know burn too quickly and yet it uh i must admit 20 is lower than i thought it would be but it would have surprised me if it was more than 50.
0: Yeah, no, it was 18% was the exact number. Wow. This is a population of about 490. So it wasn't huge, but it had statistical significance. Amazing. So this is the metrics measure up podcast, guys. So this sounds really good theoretically, but let's get into some measurements. So let's focus on B2B SaaS. If you look sure. at from that initial point of awareness and the first visit to your website, etc., what are the top three? I'll limit you to the top three performance metrics that you think a B2B marketer should be looking at from that initial point of engagement to customer?
1: So as someone who was a B2B marketer and now CEO, the things that are top of mind for me, one, leads or pipeline generated. Ideally, it's pipeline, but you know you can simplify that to looking at leads if the spread and ACV and contract value is, is sort of tight. Two, CPL, where the cost per lead is the stage that's important and actionable in your pipeline. Like we think about that as CPMQL, cost per MQL, because the program dollars we're spending directly drive MQLs. Once you get past MQL, there's sales activity in there. And so we're like, wait, did, did we generate MQLs at the right cost? And I'm assuming the quality was high. If not, then you measure a whole bunch of other things. And the third thing that comes to mind for me, depending on the game you're playing, share a voice. Uh, those are the three that, that come to mind, top of mind for me. I, I would naturally you know, think about if, if there were other issues, you mentioned thinking through different stages of the pipeline. I care a lot about you know MQL to op, MQL to closed one conversion rates, because I want to know that we're not stuffing Junk through the pipeline and delivering higher quality in ICP, as you said, leads.
0: Well, it wasn't a trick question, but it could end up being a trick question because I did ask you a B two B marketer, a chief market marketing officer. But honestly, shouldn't she be wanting to measure through the rest of the funnel all the way to cost per MQL, to cost per SQL, to sqo and all the way to dollar of revenue? Shouldn't the CMO say that's my job also?
1: Thousand percent and to be able to say, look, here's the revenue I influenced and here's the ultimate CAC to your point. Here's ultimately the the marketing contribution to, to cost of acquisition resonates very, very strongly for me. And that's exactly what we do. We focus day in, day out on cost per MQL, but we check regularly, probably once a month on quality of MQLs measured by conversion rate of MQL to op and close one, and also probably monthly on CAC. To see, hey, you know, so the day in day outs on CPMQL, but those other two to your point, they're hugely strategic. And we as marketers are constantly needing to show our value. And the more we can point to direct revenue, the better. In our company, we very intentionally talk about revenue influenced by marketing. So we, I get that different companies think about it differently. We think it is a waste of calories to get into the fight of did sales source this? Did marketing source this for us? Uh, About two thirds of the ops that were created were touched by both, and I think the calories on figuring out who gets credit are totally wasted. And so, in in our state, like I'm happy to happy for the marketer to get a bonus and the SDR to get credit and like double pay, because ultimately I just want to drive more more pipeline and not have the fight over who gets credit.
0: Drinking out of the same wine chalice, so to speak, right? (laughs) So, my my quarrel, but attribution, I would assume that you get drawn into a lot of oh can you help me attribute how marketing influenced revenue and what do you think about that the calories on attribution
1: i do think marketing being able to represent its value is hugely important for uh, you know all of us as marketers when we are revenue centers rather than cost centers i think it's a much better place to be as marketers sort of career-wise satisfaction-wise motivating the team-wise for us we we do it comparing the work we're doing together, all the optimization and personalization versus the base website, that value we make easy to show with a holdback group. So there's a holdback group that sees the base website, typically it's 20% of traffic and all the work we do together is on the other 80. They can move that dial, the 20, 80 if they want, but that makes it crystal clear. like hey we did this and it produced this much incremental you know pipe or revenue or leads which which simplifies the conversation a bunch
0: yeah it's funny i was talking to christopher Golick the other day he was the founder of demand base yeah and now he's got a new company channel 99 where he's trying to have marketing and finance speak the same language cost per cost per dollar of revenue etc so let me ask about your customers what percentage actually have the ability to ingest cost data outside of a paid ad spend, but true like people cost, et cetera, and really get to a holistic cost per MQL or dollar a pipeline?
1: I don't know the real answer. It's a great question. And I think it's usually strategic for them as they're running their business. I can tell you that they, they don't feed that to us. They do feed to us some notion of, CPL or CAC by channel that some do, they're like, Hey, you know, a search, a paid search lead costs us more than an organic social lead. I'm making that up and, you know, weight that differently in your algorithm, but that broader strategic point that you and the founder of demand base had in mind of, Hey, I need to understand all in cost per dollar of revenue across my business. It feels hugely strategic.
0: So we're already coming up gee whiz i can't believe it's already been almost 30 minutes so a couple last questions one is i'm sure you've worked with hundreds of b2b marketing leaders and a lot of people are new it's the first time they're they are a cmo and they really want to make sure they're aligned with the ceo and cfo to say here's the business value that i'm creating while i still optimize the user experience what are the two or three things you would tell that first time cmo really think about understanding and implementing this so you can truly optimize the user experience while optimizing your ROI that you can show to the CFO.
1: My humble advice would be two things. One, go really deeply, intimately, understand your customers, understand the day in their life. That's true north. Literally everything else, marketing tactics, marketing message, frankly, product, sales, CS, they all come from that understanding. And to be that voice in the company, Even if product is doing the same, sales is doing the same, having that deeply grounded understanding, I think makes each one of us a more effective executive one and two. I don't mean it in the trite way, but like understand the game you're playing at the moment, right? Sometimes as an executive team, you are playing like revenue at all costs. Sometimes you're playing profitable revenue. Sometimes you're playing market share. Sometimes you're playing, you know, expand here while cash cowing there and understand that and then express the value you're generating, in those terms for the business overall. It's really easy for us to, you know, focus on the operating metrics within marketing, but then to go up a level uh, at, at, to the broader strategic context, I think is hugely valuable.
0: I call that upward cascading where your departmental metrics are aligned on a not only correlated, but causal basis if possible to the company goals. You know, oh, if this year we're trying to drive increased CAC payback period or decrease, which means improve. Right, right, right. How do you track marketing metrics that actually directly impact that? Maybe it's taking your cost per MQL down from last year it was $52. And this year, if we get to 41, we'll hit our CAC payback period goals. So I love that. Now I'm going to ask you the toughest question of today though. You said understand your customer, and I'm going to paraphrase buying journey, what your customer is looking for. Guy, I hear everyone saying that. How do you really do that? How do you really? understand what the customer's process is.
1: I watch many of us marketers looking at that quantitatively. Where do they consume media early in the funnel? What messages resonate for them quantitatively in our ads and our emails? How much time do they spend in different sales cycles? And I think that is all critical. I think the piece that we tend to underinvest in is going and talking to them. I think it is uh, undervalued going and taking real time that will impact your ability to do other work in particular early on in your first 30, 60, 90 days as a CMO and talk with, I mean, in B2B, often you can do 10 or 20 and be okay. And B2C, you know, it's, it's a different potential game, but I think nothing can replace that richness. You know, what are the constraints they're under? How did they make their decisions? What did and as a fellow CMO, you can, you can compare notes and, you know, commiserate together, especially if you're selling into B2B SaaS and have similar challenges, I think that is often undervalued and leads to to real insight. And it doesn't need to be a permanent, oh my God, this is going to impact my ability to do other work all the time. But having a big chunk of time for that early on, I, I think is really valuable.
0: Yeah. You know, for such an analytical driven person, I love that you said that second, more qualitative, go talk to them. And, and we did some additional research. It's like, what percentage of B2B companies do a win-loss audit, at mm-hmm. least on a quarterly basis? And this mean you talk to every opportunity that closed one or closed loss, but maybe three to five each. Do you know, Guy, less than 24% actually talk to the customer? The number one way of getting customer win or loss feedback, do you know where it's from? Sales. Sales. Well, we know that it was a product issue or a price issue, right? <laughs> I'm amazed. Why do you think that is?
1: Because it's, it's easy.
0: Because it's
1: easy. Because it's easier true. than like calling a bunch of customers or, you know, uh, folks who might not want to give you the time of day and then you got to coordinate with their schedule at the eye. Yeah, I think it's mechanically easier. Do you? Is that why you think it happens?
0: I think it's number one priority. They don't think it's a priority because they don't think you get that much information. Number two, I think it's a resource allocation. Who's going to do it? Like in my last company, it's like, who am I going to have to do this? And I made our product managers actually with a third-party vendor. Third-party vendor would do the outreach. The product manager set through every one of those calls, right? And he's like, well, why just product management, right? Well, I wanted them to kind of look at it both from a process, but also from a product perspective. Because a lot of customers will say, well, we wanted this feature function. And a product managers got trained by this third party, why was that important? Because when you get to the why then you try to uncover some of the business reality of their internals and it's often not feature function it's more internal process or internal priorities and often internal measurements
1: couldn't agree with you more that resonates deeply
0: so we're going to have to end this i want to have the listening audience to get a chance to know you a little bit more on a personal basis through three quick questions and the first is is there a ceo or company that you think some must follow for b2b cmos out there today
1: i'm not sure i have one if you're into conversion rate optimization like i am ben LeBay of spiro or jeremy epperson of conversion guides i think they're both great reads very very thoughtful advanced thinkers in the space
0: okay that's good because a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to be all about understanding how they can improve continuously their conversion rates second is a tool not your own that B2B marketers should be using. It doesn't need to be a company name, it could be a category, but a tool that everyone should be using to improve their marketing efficacy.
1: If you'll allow me to answer it on multiple levels on my Mac, it's Magnet, which is silly little thing that just incredibly useful little thing that snaps windows to arrange them, like left half, right half such a productivity improver personally it's flighty because i'm an airline geek and it tracks airlines really well and as a marketer gong uh being able to that qualitative data and quantitative that they enable by listening in on sales calls and seeing what's working what's not how are these pitches going i think it's invaluable
0: that's interesting the other thing i've heard a lot of companies we had Amit Bendoff, the founder of gong on the podcast a few months ago and he said a lot of product teams are also using gong now to get feedback from the customers when they're doing a quarterly business review, etc., he says, amazing the type of insights you get. So that's a good one. And then the last one, you know, you've had a varied career, right? Starting as a in the airline kind of industry. What would you tell a very recent college graduate who says, "I want to be Guy Gleaf, I want to found my own B two B SaaS company someday." What advice would you give them in their early career?
1: Similar to the new CMO perhaps counterintuitively, go understand your customers, go understand a day in their life. That is true north. That is the thing that will help feed whatever function you want to go rise up through, whether that's product marketing, sales, CS, that understanding helps you meet their needs more effectively, in particular in B2B. It's totally true in B2C as well, but in B2B, I feel like it's it's more tractable because you can talk to 10, 15, 20 people and wrap your arms around a market.
0: Interesting. I was talking to a gentleman named Brent Adamson, and he wrote The Challenger Sale and The Challenger Customer. I asked him that same question. He said, you know, go do a sales job outside of B2B SaaS Mm -hmm. and then come back because you'll understand sales from many different perspectives. I think the same thing as a marketer. What if you were early career, a marketer in the airline industry or in the CPG industry, understand what the real challenges and goals are? And then go create a SaaS company that solves those challenges.
1: Couldn't agree with you more. And that is perhaps an even more strategic way to understand the day in life of your customer because you go be the customer for a while. You know, the insight I, I've had background in product and in marketing, the first time I ever carried a bag as you know, a seller was at this company, right? You know, starting as founder or selling and the empathy, the insight, the learnings I had about the sales process. Like I've been in, you know, working with B2B salespeople for like 15 years and then walking in their shoes was still a whole nother level of insight. So your suggestion lands super well with me.
0: Well, Guy, okay. thank you so much for your time. I'm gonna ask one last question. It's out of my standard kind of process, but is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to share with our listening audience?
1: You asked a bunch about one-to-one marketing. I would humbly suggest that we as marketers meet our prospects where they are and meet them as individually as we can. It creates better customer experiences for them, and it will help us generate the business results that will help us as a team and as a function be more valuable to our companies. That, I think, orienting our, our teams around will yield a lot of fruit, and there are a lot of ways to do that.
0: I love that. Meet them where they are. For our listening audience, if people want to hear more about your insights, learn more about what you do, where can they follow you or contact you, Guy?
1: On LinkedIn, I post a bunch at, you know, my name is Guy Yalif, Y-A-L-I-F, and we post a bunch on uh, our website, intellamize.com as well.
0: Great. Guy, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today.
1: Ray, it was a pleasure reconnecting. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: No worries. Thank you. And to our listening audience, if you're enjoying the quality of the guests like Guy Yalif in the content we're covering, I mean, oh my gosh, one-to-one continuous conversion optimization, it would mean the world to us to so go ahead and subscribe to the Metrics to Measure Up podcast on your favorite app. Go ahead and give us that five-star rating because it helps amplify the people who can gain benefit from our guests and the content. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Guy. Thank you for listening to today's Metrics to Measure Up podcast. If you would like to learn more about B2B SaaS metrics and benchmarks, please visit revopsquared.com.